We are full of sushi, and I'm a very happy man. <laughs> so this week, we have another interview for you, um, which we will get to after this. After my story, we're going to talk with Jill Shelley, who is a paranormal investigator from, or from the group St. Croix Paranormal of Stillwater in Minnesota. Sick. Is it Minnesota or Maine? Minnesota. MN. Yeah, MN? Yes. You Googling it? Yes. <laughs> I have an excuse for not knowing. Yeah. I knew it was right. Why do I always question myself? I shouldn't. The mic's off. Thanks, Google. <laughs> <laughs> it's telling you, like, so, in a way, like, you bothered it. Yeah. Like, Hello. The, the mic mic's is off. off. Jeez, I'm in here. All right. I'm taking a shit. Leave me alone. Fucking Greg. Yeah. No, Jesus. you can't come in here and get your toothbrush. I'm shitting. <laughs> That's what it's like. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty testy. I only set him up. Like, I'm used to my Siri, who is like the Irish Siri, who can be pretty snotty sometimes. Yeah. She's like, "That's not the right word to say." Does okay, she really? Siri. I I don't know, but like, she sounds like Siri. Oh. Say hello. Okay. <laughs> Siri, say hello. Yeah, I, I, I see what you mean. Answering, like. I see what you mean now. She's ignoring you. Siri, tell me what the weather's like. It's currently cloudy and 79 degrees. And by the way, go fuck yourself. Yeah, that's what she's exactly. Saying. It's like yeah, yeah, passive yeah. aggressive bitch. <laughs> <laughs> i'm so full of fish and rice we just had some delicious sushi very full right now yeah we got like the big sushi dish from sam's club by the way it's it was adam's first trip to sam's club and it was it was overwhelming to say the least they it, they had so much stuff there. i'm doing a lot of heavy breathing because i'm so full and i'm doing a lot of heavy breathing because i have asthma Ah. Just in case anybody has ever wondered, why does this guy breathe like a fucking pig? That's why. <laughs> um, so I just got a TikTok, even though I'm not a 12 year old girl um, or boy, whatever. Um, I'm not a 12 year old person because I thought it was going to be a lot of kids dancing and I didn't want to see that. But I didn't realize like Tumblr, you can like tailor it to your likes needs, yeah. and needs and wants like what you want to see right now i'm binging this channel called miss artist basically she draws scenarios that can that stand-up comedians uh talk about and it's so fucking funny yeah it is pretty funny we just watched the whole bit about a uh, mexican darth vader yeah from a uh, trevor noah's stand-up oh man i fucking love that dude yeah i'm unfamiliar with all uh comedians but right before we start i do just want to say a real big thank you to two of our listeners who bought us coffee this week on our coffee app thing yeah that is real fucking cool yeah so danica and brie or bry i think it's brie yeah i think so anyway thank you both so much all that like we set that up kind of as a oh let's just see if people want to donate whatever that's fine but there's absolutely no like pressure. We don't have like a monthly subscription or anything like that put up. Yeah. But basically it's just so as we can like 
this week, for example, we need to buy an external hard drive. We do eventually need to buy like new mics and we're hoping to buy video equipment and stuff like that eventually as well so as we can get deeper and deeper into our YouTube kind of stuff, especially yeah. now that we're starting to do um, the Weekly Creep Movie Club. Yeah, and like, I guess if you want to see our faces, we'd be able to do that. But um, I tried to explain to my mom what this coffee thing was. <laughs> and like, I was like, yeah, you know, like people donate to us sort of think of it like a tipping system where it's like, you know, you give good service, you tip your waiter type of situation. Um, but initially she thought it was more like the homeless people that we have in the corners in our in our city where they just kind of wave a cup around because she was like you might as well be one of those people just shaking your cup around asking for money i'm like whoa mom whoa so many things wrong with what you just said (laughs) i figured because this was all going on in spanish but (laughs) we got like super excited when we saw like these little uh or these donations coming in and we were like oh my god like people actually like us this is fucking great yeah that was the reaction that and then other people weren't as excited so <laughs> yeah um but anyway we just wanted to say thank you so much danica and brie or bry feel free to correct us on that word um and yeah for now we don't have any extra content to go along with it but when we do for our patreon for example which we will be setting up eventually like give us suggestions on what you would like at the minute we're toying around with a few different ideas like ancient mythology for example like we would focus on one particular region's mythology for a little while until we you know learn all about it or something or we can talk about just like weird things in the news or weird laws that are out there or you know just yeah cover weird little shit like that but we want to make it so people obviously actually want it so if there's something specifically that you would like to see us do like whether that's just extra weekly creep that's yeah, also fine that's true and i think because we have like we don't have like a huge fan base or anything it's just very very specific people that really jive with us it feels like yeah um it would be really easy to cater to basically this exact hand, needs, a like. handful of people yeah, that yeah. basically really like us <laughs> yeah and who also we fucking very much appreciate um also before we start i actually got off my arse and made a facebook group which we have a handful of people in there and it's getting more active every day thanks to our members and it's actually a lot of fun um i don't feel like i'm just wasting my time looking at the same posts on facebook we're actually interacting and that's really nice (laughs) anyway this week i am going to tell you dulce and you loyal listener or first time listener hopefully soon to be loyal listener listener so I think her very well it's Irina Cornici. Hmm. But her whole name is I think Madachika Irina Cornici. But people only knew her as Irina anyway, so I'm sorry if I'm butchering that. But one of the girls or one of the people that I got uh information from this week who I'll mention at the end, or I could just mention right now, was uh Carolina Klipax. She's a YouTuber from I think hungary nice and so she seemed to have a lot better pronunciation than me so cool if, if she wants to reach out and tell me how to actually pronounce it i will definitely update it so 
there's a trigger warning with today's stuff. We will be talking about a lot of horrible subjects, such as suicide, sexual harassment, and stuff of that nature. So let's talk about Irina, okay? All right. <laughs> okay, so she was... not going to say no. <laughs> <laughs> so she was born in 1982 in Arad, Romania, to a violent, abusive, alcoholic mother. And I don't actually know how the father was, but he took his own life in front of Irina when she was quite young. I think like in and around two years old or something like that. Shortly after this, Irina's mother left her and her brother Vasil at the Barlad Children's Home where they stayed until they were adults. This place was not nice as much as you would assume that a children's home in Romania in the 80s, you know, it wasn't a nice place. All right. The staff were all corrupt. Everything at the time was, I'm pretty sure they were still under like communist rule. Mm. There was a lot of like rations and stuff like that. Oh. When stuff was allocated to the children's home, like the staff would obviously receive the deliveries and then like divvy all the stuff up between themselves. Oh. Before the kids even got anything or if they even left the kids anything. Yeah. You know? That's shitty. Yeah. Like the children were literally starving in this place they also allowed a german photographer by the name of faf now i did try and find out more on him because he sounds like a scumbag so they allowed him basically to photograph the children specifically for a child pornography ring gross yeah and it was with exclusive permission from the fucking staff of the place whoa basically now i think they tried to say that they tricked him or they they were tricked into allowing him in but i don't think that's that's right. Irina was one of the children who was involved. So when complaints were made about this later, nothing happened because the photographer was like so well connected. Mm. As well as this, there was the boys in the orphanage who learned that they could basically take advantage of the younger girls as long as they didn't commit full rape because that could be proved. And as long as they weren't seen by the staff. Hmm. But also the staff didn't exactly go out of the way to make sure that the boys weren't seen. I see. So Irina, she was a tough little one and she had heard like stories about what happened to the, you know, girls who were of a certain age or whatever. And she knew what went on. So she decided that she needed to be able to defend herself from an early age. Some sources said that she actually learned karate, but I'm not sure how true this was because, mm-hmm. you know, Surely you would have to go and pay for karate lessons and stuff like that. But regardless, she was able to fight and she made sure that the boys knew this. So she was left alone for the most part. So one of the other sources that I, well, I didn't personally use for this, but it's where a lot of the information is taken from is actually a book. Well, two books that were written by a BBC reporter specifically about the case, but it wasn't they weren't released as true crime. They were released as non-fiction novels. Hmm. Okay, so I don't know what to make of that. But like in some of the excerpts of the book that I was reading, because like there's a lot of it online. Like I read like a good chunk of like 20 pages at one stage. And, but I couldn't find the actual book. But there was other people and like names had been changed and stuff like that. So as far as I'm aware, she had one good friend in the children's home but specifically in this book they said that there was two 
So I'm not sure which is the actual truth and which just came from the book or whether it was the same person split into two characters kind of thing. Okay. One of the girls was Parashiva Angel, I think. Again, sorry. Her nickname was Cheetah. And another girl, again, who I only saw in the book, whose name was Bianca. I think Bianca and Cheetah may have been just Cheetah because the girls became romantically involved and I could only find information on Cheetah, Mm. like, later on. So anyway, she would intimidate these girls. She was, like, the boss of their little group. Mm -hmm. And she'd embarrass them and just make them feel, like, belittle them, you Mm -hmm. know? And she would use Cheetah in particular to practice her fighting skills on. But Cheetah embraced this. Like, these girls were, like, enamored by Arena. That's weird. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess, like, a normal abusive relationship, and a quote-unquote normal <laughs> abusive relationship, you know what I mean? You're looking from the outside going, why is this person with this person? Yeah. Like, they're monsters. You but think maybe like the the masochist found the sadist sort of thing? That's exactly what I think, yeah. And as well, like I'm sure like she maybe she was the only girl in the orphanage that would talk to Cheetah and stuff, you know? In an interview I saw with Cheetah, she actually said, she used to train with me back at the orphanage. I mean, she really enjoyed hitting me. She said I was very resistant. I could stand the kicks. I really enjoyed it when she was hitting me and I could stand it. I said hey if anybody kicks me i can take it you kick me but i can take it i don't crumble and fall even if i'm a woman her legs were really strong she used to kick me till my back was all red so i think maybe as well as like literally being her punching bag she might have felt protected at the same time Mm. i felt like this was her kind of training Mm -hmm. you know like i can't fight back but i can sure as fuck take it Mm -hmm. at this time as well homosexuality was literally against the law in romania so i can't even begin to imagine what was going through these young girls minds but irena became outwardly homophobic but it's also said that these attacks on cheetah were sexually motivated so there's a lot of conflicting i think irena herself me personally based off all the information that i was given Mm -hmm. it seems like irena was falling in love with Cheetah and there was like some kind of experimentation almost going on. I didn't get down to the nitty gritty with it or anything like that, but this was their relationship. Where have we heard that before? Where it's like you're you're gay but oh somehow yeah. you've related to violence and that's you're angry because you can't be who you are. Yeah, exactly. Who you really are, yeah. That's always a really good thing to suppress, you know. Also, according to Cheetah, Irina would occasionally say that she would hear her father's voice throughout her years at the orphanage. Very brief mentions of that, but it might make sense later on in the story. So in 2001, at the age of 19, Irina went to live with a foster family in Western Romania. Now, I'm not sure how this works. Maybe it's like a government scheme that the families get paid to take in young adults to get them on their feet or whether these were like volunteers who, again, just help people get on their feet. Yeah. Or whatever. But her brother had already been living with them for a few years at this point. And it was the first family that she ever really knew. So from here, she goes to Germany where she works as a nanny or an au pair kind of thing. 
for a family for like three months stints. So it's really similar to a lot of like student visas like coming over here. It's just three months you get to go like sample the culture kind of thing, maybe make some more money and then you go back home again. Now she was supposed to be saving up the money that she was earning for her and Cheetah to go and live in Germany together, like maybe even buy their own house. So she does this anyway for a couple of years. She goes like a few times and comes back to her family, her new family in Romania. And, all. and then on April 5th, 2005, she takes Vasil, her brother, to go and visit with Cheetah in Holy Trinity Monastery in Tanaku, Romania. So I don't know what she was expecting from this visit. Like in all honesty, in her interview, Cheetah explains that also, sorry, I'm sure it's not Cheetah, like the animal. I think it's Cheetah. Yeah. You know, Cheetah explains that she had gone to the monastery to live because other monasteries would demand some sort of payment to be made, almost like a ransom. Like, well, you're going to live here. So first you have to sign over all your possessions or your house or whatever. Mm. Whereas this one didn't do that. It really seemed like more of a refuge, like a safe place where a young person could go and serve God and be fed and housed in meager but steady, safe conditions. Like, they only ate, I think, food that they grew on their little patch of land and stuff. Mm -hmm. And when I say monastery, when I tried to say monastery, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's literally just a fairly small house, bare bones. I don't even know if it had, like, uh, electricity at the time. I don't even think it had bones. (laughs) I don't even think it had bones. Don't joke Um, But like the interview that I saw with them in there, it was like gray walls and stuff like that. You know, like really basic fucking accommodation, basically, is what I'm trying to say. So when Irina showed up, I would imagine that she was thinking that her and Cheetah might just pick up where they left off and go off and live in Germany happily ever after. But Cheetah was set up there and was well on her way to becoming a nun or already was one. I don't know how that process works. But she was wearing the garb she had on her habit and that. Irina was due to go back to her foster family on April 9th. But before they left for the train station, she had an extremely violent, nervous breakdown. According to one source, she was throwing herself on the ground, hitting herself with or on stones. And they thought she was going to attempt suicide. I will just point out here that some of these websites that we're using was were Romanian websites translated to English and some of them had already been translated to English. So some of the things were like a little unclear like that with with and on. After calling for an ambulance three times to no avail, the nuns were eventually able to get Irina restrained. They put her into a borrowed car and to the Vaslui County Hospital who took her in for the next 16 days. She began her stay in intensive care, I think on suicide watch, with, quote, the suspicion of major psychosis, unquote. On April 11th, they moved her to the psychiatric ward where doctors note, quote, heteroaggressiveness, poorly controlled impulsivity, delirium, bouts of fever, unquote. Heteroaggressiveness is aggression to others but not oneself. I looked it up because I just assumed it was something sexual, but it's not. However, after a few days here, she's moved back to intensive care. 
where she stays until April 24th. Now, this is a direct quote from BBC Romania. Although she was not given a psychological examination to establish a definite diagnosis, Irina Cornici is discharged prematurely and irregularly with the diagnosis early stage schizophrenia. The previous diagnosis had been disorganized schizophrenia. She is prescribed treatment with Zyprexa, a neuroleptic. The nuns later stated that they did not receive the discharge sheet. The fact that the discharge sheet was not given to the nuns is important because apparently the hospital found out that Irina was actually suffering from late stage leukemia. And this is why she was so hastily discharged as the hospital did not want her did not want her death to be on the record. This is according to Tatiana Bran, the BBC journalist, the BBC journalist who wrote the books on the subject. So basically, they didn't want another leukemia death in their hospital's presumably already terrible record. So instead, they just kicked her out in her ass and was like, get her out of here. Maybe if she had come in early when they could have treated it, they would have looked after her. But they obviously knew that there was nothing that they could do. After her time in the hospital, she decided she was going to stay back in the monastery. Why can't they say this word? Monastery, right? Yeah. After her time in the hospital, she decided that she was going to stay in the monastery and follow Cheetah's example. And on June 8th, she goes back to her foster family, accompanied by three nuns, so she can collect her clothes and the rest of her savings. Monastery. Fucking hell, that's scared the shit out of me I was like who the fuck is that <laughs> it's monastery <sighs> I was expecting a nun to be standing there I hope we're keeping that in we have to fucking know anyway. <laughs> bastard <laughs> right I'm just gonna go back and read this other bit So after her time in the hospital, she decided she was going to stay in the monastery and follow Cheetah's example. And on June 8th, she goes back to her foster family, accompanied by three nuns, so she can collect her clothes and the rest of her savings. This was to pay for her prescription and for the nuns to take care of her, uh, like her medical bills and stuff. When she gets there, however, she finds that the Stolojescus, which is her family, They have actually taken in another young lady to foster and have also spent almost all of her savings, which meant out of somewhere between three and a half and four and a half thousand euros, she was left with about 500. Obviously, the money thing was shit. Yeah. But I think the most hurtful thing was this, you know, new daughter. Yeah. So I didn't see anywhere about how hurt or not she was. But the fact of the matter is, this was the only family type situation she had ever been in. And she was like, you know, replaced so easily. Yeah. Or I'm assuming. Betrayed, really. Yeah, you know. So in the time between Irina leaving the hospital and going to collect her things, which was around six days or so, the nuns in the monastery had been caring for her and she didn't have any more violent outbursts. But after going home to collect her money... This is when she started to act strange again. According to Chita, the nuns, and the head priest at the monastery, Father Daniel Corogino, Irina had been perfectly fine until she received communion. So the head nun sat down with Irina one day, 
and the process that they would go through was a list of around 200 sins okay and this was actually to make it a faster pro- process so usually what would happen was that was a fast process yeah, believe me <laughs> so in general what would happen was like the nun would sit down with her her book or whatever and she'd kind of like make a little list of sins like she'd read through them and go oh yeah i guess i kind of did do this one and she'd like write it down so it was like ordering from a chinese menu okay you'd be like okay yeah i did a number 15 and a number 32 yeah i'd love a side of number two yeah and i definitely did 67 yeah so the whole idea was that they wouldn't have to go into detail with mm. the priest when yeah. confessing they would just know which sin that they committed so this nun anyway was actually helping Irina to do it because it was her first time having any sort of confession and this one specifically these sins were anything from not believing god or sorry these sins were anything from not believing that god would forgive you to accepting communion while on your period what to, yeah to wearing slacks that's when we're the most powerful that's why you see <laughs> uh also wearing slacks or being late to church and then I just have written ridiculous. I must have been really angry <laughs> with your two fingers typing. Yeah. Da, 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 da. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, so like this place, although I think it's Orthodox Christians, mm-hmm. but the monastery was like secluded and very cult like, especially like I think I do get into it a little bit. But anyway, the next day she confessed to Father Daniel. Um, and she was given a thousand genuflections, which she could do at her leisure, like, you know, 20 here, 20 there, whatever. But she couldn't accept communion until her penance was done. What's genuflection? So I don't know if it's Are the whole... like push-ups? Kind of, actually. <laughs> so, you know, like, in my, I thought it was just when you get down on your knees. Oh. And then get back up again. But like in, squats. But holy squats yeah <laughs> but in this it actually said it's the full like get down and like put your head to the ground then get back up like a burpee yeah kind of yeah, yeah pretty much except it's holy uh-huh. uh, there was also other conditions such as you know say like fucking so many thousand hail marys or our father i don't fucking know and she could only eat bread and water as well which is shocking anyway instead of pacing herself she did all of the genuflections and all of the rest of her prayers and all that night damn yeah a thousand well fit or just fucking i don't know the following day she was given communion which is when she started to act out the timeline here doesn't seem to quite add up from the different sources but the books that tatiana brand wrote were released as non-fiction novels like i said so i don't know how much liberty she took when actually writing them because in her book it specifically said it was easter sunday and that's just not true I, I looked up easter sunday that year and i'm pretty sure this all happened in like on like what a tuesday or something fucking tuesday really no oh. <laughs> um sick but it just it wasn't anyway the same the dates didn't add up so that is all <laughs> <laughs> So just to give a brief insight into how this situation may have looked. While under communist rule, the Romanian Catholic churches were abolished and all the followers were forced to join the Orthodox Church. I don't know all the ins and outs. 
I just know that a lot of priests or clergymen were actually incarcerated because they protested and, you know, wanted to practice their own religion. And even just regular, like, churchgoers who stood up against this were, like, murdered by the government. Like, it sounds fucking horrific. I am so dumb when it comes to any of this, you know, actual important history. Like, I'll tell you when Guns N' Roses were formed and where... But ask me like about communist regime and all this horrific fucking crimes now. Haven't a clue. But anyway, this led to a huge reduction in the number of churches and monasteries throughout the country, naturally. And oh yeah, I have in my notes here. I probably sound very dumb trying to explain something that I don't really know anything <laughs> about. <laughs> but it meant like in nineteen eighty nine, when the communist regime ended and churches were allowed to operate, there was a huge outcry for priests and monks and that kind of shit so they weren't exactly being very picky you know they were almost just letting anyone in and then you end up with someone like Daniel Corogino or Corogino who had almost no education himself he was a footballer like a soccer player and I think he was trying to make it into the big leagues or something like a local fucking team and then backed out of that and ended up just he didn't get into university either he tried and failed and then enrolled in religious studies as like a backup thing because i guess anybody could do it he attended this course for less than a year before going to help build and run this monastery with the help of like some fucking local guy was pumping money into the area he was like oh we need a monastery here go look after it so he shows up in a small uneducated rural village where people believe he is literally like the closest person to god that they have ever met and they are all now his loyal congregants he was allowed to go there under the conditions that he continue his education and become an actual educated priest but obviously he didn't fucking do this because he was an arsehole and he had been in trouble with the diocese before or yeah before for how he carried out his sermons and the fact that he would perform exorcisms on his followers like willy-nilly pretty much he was said to have been like very medieval in his beliefs and didn't agree with like you know they updated the the exorcism fucking handbook or something i can't remember what it's called like the guides for exorcism they updated them in 1999 for the first time since like 16 fucking 12 or something so but he was like no it's too modern in 1612 or 1617 they had it right so he like basically was branching off from the church without branching off from the church you know what i mean because he was so secluded that he could just do whatever he fucking wanted yeah he was a very fire and brimstone kind of guy okay he made his own rules for the monastery like no men after 4 p.m and women are not allowed to enter if they're wearing pants or without covering their hair as far as I'm concerned, he is a good example of a cult leader. Like, yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah, because as well, like in the monastery is the local church. Anyway, back to Irina. So between June 9th and 10th, she has another episode or breakdown, whatever we're going to call it. And Father Daniel claims that he wanted to take her back to the hospital. But Vasil, her brother, who, as far as I could make out, stayed on in the monastery with her. He wasn't happy with how the hospital had treated her the last time. So instead, they keep her in the monastery and try to tackle the problem themselves. Now, they had gotten used to her outbursts and usually they wouldn't last very long. 
and she would calm down on her own but this time she was threatening them urinating on the floor she was threatened to like set her uh, bedroom on fire and eventually they locked her in her room away from the church because that's where the locals go to church and I think Father Daniel held a, an actual midnight mass like we have midnight mass at home but it's like at nine o'clock when it's dark you know mm. but this guy actually had midnight mass I think uh, daily or at least weekly so they would they had her locked in her room so the locals wouldn't see nuns going nuts in the background this didn't help she was destroying her room and so eventually they bound her hands and feet with towels or sheets or something like that something soft to prevent her from hurting herself and apparently to stop her from burning the place down as well so sometime after midnight mass when all the locals are gone home father daniel decides he needs to perform an exorcism on irena he instructs the nuns to actually chain her down and bring her to the front of the church so they could anoint her and say prayers the nuns think well how are we supposed to do that right boom use wood use two pieces of wood and we can chain her to them so she's easy to transport maybe right mm-hmm. they literally chained her to a makeshift cross and from this point they were ordered not to give her any food or water and other reports say that she actually refused to eat but like she was hysterical at this point yeah and bound on a fucking cross Mm -hmm. over the next two or three days Irina is kept chained to this cross she sleeps for long periods of time and whenever she wakes up she's having all out raging fits of anger and even they said she was having seizures now they put all this down to the devil being in her yeah but can you imagine being in this situation from passing out from probably screaming so much and having like such a violent panic or anxiety attack from being chained down then every time you wake up you're surrounded by these people fucking chanting and praying over you and covering you with oil the whole time all you're like you're just chained to this fucking cross yeah it's terrifying because this is literally what happened i mean and i would imagine if you were schizophrenic it'd be even more terrifying yeah you know so god only knows what she was actually going through but every time she opened her eyes they would pounce on her and start praying and chanting doing all this shit because I'm pretty sure they said that her sleeping was the devil trying to stay inside her. Something like that. Something along those lines. They also ended up gagging her to prevent her from swearing during prayers. Because that's a sin. And according to one of the nuns, this was just regular procedure for dealing with a possessed person. Another nun said um, that she had actually begged to be tied up for her own benefit. right, For her own protection. Again... Here the timelines differ from various sources. One said she was locked in her cell for two or three days and then brought to the church for two or three days, but I can't be sure. That's just a rough timeline. Early on June 15th, Irina wakes up and this time she seems calm and aware of her surroundings. And for the first time since this whole series of events began, the nuns take her back to her quarters, untie her and supposedly feed her some bread and water before she falls back into a state of unconsciousness. Now, while she was awake, it said that she was smiling and, like, just, you know, generally happy. Father Daniel said she was fine, she was cured, she fell asleep, and that meant she was better. Soon after this, the nuns realize that Irina's breathing has become unusual. I think this means slow and labored. Her pulse was weak, 
and the nuns couldn't wake her. At this point, Father Daniel calls 112, which is 911, except in Europe. He claims that he had to call, I think, three times and that they took so long to get there. But remember, this is still a remote village. In the ambulance, the paramedics gave her six doses of adrenaline, but it was too late. She was dead by the time she reached the hospital. When doctors and nurses saw the condition she was in, they called the police pretty quickly. One doctor reportedly said that Irina had actually been dead for 24 hours. Irina's funeral took place on the 20th of June 2005 and on the 22nd, Father Daniel and four of the nuns were arrested for 24 hours, which was soon extended to 30 days. On June 23rd, the bishop, who was over the Tanaku monastery, defrocked Father Daniel and the nuns, which apparently caused more controversy because only a layperson or churchgoer can actually do that. But this guy was just waiting for an excuse to get rid of Father Daniel anyway. Mm. And he also closed the monastery down completely. Now, Father Daniel claimed his innocence throughout this whole time. I think it took, um, yeah, it was two years before this actually went to trial. A quote from Father Daniel is him saying, Only God knows why he took her. I think that's how God wanted her to be saved. So in his mind, they performed this exorcism, they removed the devils, and then she went to heaven, a forgiven, clean soul or whatever. They were eventually charged with murder and depriving a person of liberty, which is holding someone against their will. Yeah. In 2007, Father Daniel was given 14 years, while Nicoletta Arcalianu was sentenced to eight years in prison. Adina Sepraga, Elena Otel, and Simona Bardanas each received five-year sentences. Father Daniel's sentence was later reduced to seven years, and he was eventually released on parole in November 2011. So in the original autopsy, the hospital said that Irina died from suffocation and exhaustion, or sorry, asphyxiation and exhaustion, right? So from being gagged and basically from all the physical exertion that she had gone through the last in the few last few days of her life and the whole time father daniel was saying no she was alive when she left the monastery he was blaming the paramedics to the point where they actually exhumed irena's body a few years after right now i don't know whether she was actually exhumed in 2014 or whether this information just came to light in 2014 but a later autopsy stated that the real reason she actually died was an overdose of adrenaline. I read somewhere that some rich businessman follower of Father Daniel had given him his own has had given him his country house that he didn't want to use anymore. So he donated this house to Father Daniel in order to keep him give him somewhere to practice or preach again. But Father Daniel was still excommunicated by the church. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure that he still has this strange fucking weird cult following him to this day. But I could not find any more about him. I wonder if he changed his name. I mean, possibly. Hmm. But then this last quote kind of makes me think that his name is why people would go to him. Like, hmm. you know, because he was known then as, you know, it, it was split 50-50. People were calling him like the Satan priest and still for killing her whereas other people were saying you know he did the right thing anyway in this quote from the new york times it says 
Father Karajano still has strong support in Tanaku, where many people contend Miss Cornici was indeed possessed. Her parents gave her away and they gave her to the orphanage and now they're blaming those who took her in and cared for her, said Veronica Tomalescu, a nearly toothless middle-aged matron with a scarf tied over her hair. It's not as if they actually killed her. They didn't stab her or shoot her. They took her to the hospital alive. So we'll never know. Basically, yeah. part of me is convinced. Now, maybe this is just the conspiracist. The conspiracy theorist. Whatever the fuck you want to call it. That there was a payout. That changed the, you know, some. They, they got in like a corrupt doctor to perform the, the new autopsy to prove their innocence. But then the rest of me is like, I don't know how much fucking adrenaline one person can handle. Did you Google it? No. I'll, I'll Google it right now. It it just seems, uh, you know what, reading about having too much adrenaline or epinephrine is what this would be, an uh, epinephrine overdose. It doesn't, um, It you can't overdose on it. What can cause you harm is the delay of it being put into you yeah like that's why they give it to you right so what's harmful is the delaying of the administration of adrenaline um and underdosing those are the the bad things about dealing with that i guess i don't know does that (laughs) make sense yeah i guess um so no I mean, I kind of just kind of had a feeling that um, it they probably did pay off someone to do to reverse it because um, because like what you had said initially about the guy is that he was well connected. I mean, he had a fucking guy donate a big ass house for him. The guy's a cult leader. You know, if you're a good cult leader, you can charm any the pants off anyone yeah exactly and like when i've seen obviously i'll post photos of this um this character because he does look fucking he looks like rasputin but red yeah kind of but a bit beefier as well but he was actually only 29 in a lot of those photos he looks like obviously much older because he has that huge ass beard yeah it, it, it adds to the um the mystic fucking effect right the uh what's the word aesthetic yeah yeah aesthetic of a wise person so anyway that's um that was the case of that's unfortunate that's unfortunate it sucks because it's like her situation was so shitty and it sounded like because she, she was so it sounded like she was a shitty kid a shitty teenager because of the shit that she was doing to other people yeah and she just got put in another shitty situation and with a shitty family who replaced her and like spent her money you know and then she ended up in a shitty cult dying a shitty death and she was she had like a you know shitty mental illnesses (laughs) but and even the fucking hospital treated her like shit yeah like Like literally saying oh oh you're gonna die no get out of here like yeah you know so she just she got dealt the worst hand like there was no winners and no. the story no winner winner there are no chicken heroes dinner. no heroes either there's just nothing good about this story thanks 
<laughs> no, I I totally agree though. It, it's just a, like I was saying the the last day when you um covered the barfly strangler. Yeah. Like it really is. Obviously, Irina wasn't a fucking murderer or anything like that. But it's just another sad story of someone who, if they had been looked after properly, yeah, their life could have been so much fucking different. Mm-hmm. And if, I, if, I don't mean to meet, end on a uh, a dampener or anything, but. The, these stories were actually requested because again through instagram or something a few weeks back i was saying like you know what kind of stories you want to hear yeah and these ones were specifically because there's been more deaths by quote-unquote exorcism that we'll ever know obviously but even in more recent times like this was only 2005 and the other thing is like there's been other more recent ones that there's just not a, a huge amount of information on right now. Yeah. But I'm sure over the next couple of years there will be. I think it's crazy how when it comes to exorcisms and like people of, I guess, people of the cloth or whatever, there's never a in-between because when you talk to Catholics, they're, it's almost like a resistance to science. And then, you know, like it's like, no, it's the devil. And then and then there's just these shitty people that like to make their own spin-offs of religion and this is really just cult things right and then you have the other end of the spectrum where it's like so science-based where it's like if it is something otherworldly they're just so focused on the science part that they don't they don't open their mind up to that possibility like the lutherans that we were talking about with um with rolando yeah and even in the demon of brownsville like when he went to a certain church i can't fucking the baptist or something church Mm -hmm. that he was in and the very first priest that he ever went to over the problems in his house and he was just laughed at yeah you know so yeah 100 percent. there's actually a really good episode of stories with sapphire where she covers basically finding that balance um between what is spiritual what is medical like if you have a cold or you have a headache yeah you can take painkillers and it will make your symptoms go away and if it doesn't return maybe the spiritual aspect has cleared up by that time anyway you know what i mean maybe you're in a better place because you're not concentrating on the pain or something but if you take the pills and two or three hours later this is just a for example i don't mean literally but then the headache is still there go to the root of the problem do you know what i'm saying Mm. so anyway i'm getting sidetracked now just listening to the sound of my own voice getting get to the root of the problems instead of just treating the symptoms you mean yeah exactly and maybe you know maybe it is pills for whatever you need today but also working on yourself maybe the pills will help you work on yourself you know what i'm saying I get what you're saying. I think you're over explaining I'm just butchering now. it. Yeah. yeah, you are. <laughs> I'm fucking brutal at this. All right, everybody, stop listening to the podcast. I'm done. <laughs> now, so coming up next, we have our interview with Jill, who bought her own haunted house. Yeah, she did. She made sure. Yeah, she did, actually. It was, yeah. Um. So, yeah, do stick around for that and enjoy. Yeah, enjoy. So, I'm Adam, anyway, and this is Dulce. Hi. Hello, <laughs> nice to meet you guys. Good to meet you. Um, 
Do you want to just jump right into it? Yeah, let's just get going. Cool. Right. So tell us what you are. No, tell us who you are <laughs> and what you do. <laughs> um, let's see. Well, I've uh, actually been a paranormal investigator for well over 10 years now. Um, and our team was formed in 2010, St. Croix Paranormal. And we ended up traveling all over to well-known haunted locations throughout the United States uh, in search of some paranormal answers. Cool. Um, that was my next question was how long have you been a paranormal investigator? <laughs> cool. Um, so what, when was your first paranormal experience? Uh, well, the, the, the first that I can recall uh, was actually when I was younger, maybe, I don't know, 10, 10-ish, maybe. Um, I was actually at my grandmother's house. None of us kids ever, ever liked this one room. It was always cold. You always felt like somebody's staring at you. They didn't want you there. Um, just, just very unwelcoming. We all felt uneasy in that room. And one particular night, um, sleeping upstairs, I woken up in the middle of the night and my back was facing the door and I heard footsteps coming out of that room and walk and stand in front of the bedroom I was in. I could hear my parents still snoring next door, so I knew none of them have gotten up, and my grandma actually sleeps downstairs, so it would have never been her. And so I was, I, you know, as a kid, so I was terrified. I was like, I am not turning around. This is really <laughs> scary. I don't want anything to do with this. Uh, so then it just kind of was turned around, and you could hear the footsteps walk back in the room, and it just, I was so scared that I just kind of put the blankets over my head and just tried to go back to sleep, you know. Uh, but in the morning, I brought it up and I asked and my parents were like, no, no, we did not get up in the middle of the night. And, you know, my grandma just kind of said, well, that's just a ghost, honey, and he's not going to hurt you. And I was <laughs> like, whoa, if grandma's just like, no big deal, you know, now I really want to know more about him. So that just kind of fueled the fire to, to start learning more and, and putting me on the journey to where I, I am today. Right on, right on. I think my granddad kind of has a similar response. Anytime I got scared when I was a kid, he would just say, oh, a ghost can't hurt you like so don't worry about it i was like i don't yeah. care it's still scary <laughs> did you want to uh yeah i wanted to know um in your travels which place that you've investigated would is your favorite oh there's so many you know you kind of find a little favorite about every little one of them like what was the most special moment um but I think I really like, we've gone to Edinburgh Manor in Iowa probably about four times now, just because I really like the interaction that we get there. And um, kind of for me, the most memorable is the very first time we went there. We had so much interaction with equipment, but we also made connection with a little girl uh, that was there. And we, we played games with her that night. And then um, when I got home, as we had got ready to go to bed and we were just walking out of that room and she said, I'm going to miss you. So I was always kind of like, kind of tugging me to always go back and try to communicate with her. And I haven't had actual communication with her since I've been, mm -hmm. um, but I always get something. And it's, it's just always a, just an awesome place to be. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. I have to like, yeah, that'd make me want to go back. Yeah. Definitely. For the same reason. <laughs> um, so what, like in, in your opinion, what has been the scariest experience or have you had any scary experiences per se oh yeah yeah there's there's been plenty um but the, the one that probably sticks out the most is when we went to whispers estate in indiana i don't know if you're familiar with with mm -hmm. that no i haven't heard of that 
um, it, it's known for some very negative energy in the home. Um, the doctor that was there uh, had a lot of body parts buried in the backyard. Uh, he did unethical things with his patients. Um, his yeah, daughter had an accident in a fire, and so he mercy killed her with an overdose of morphine. Um, there was another little boy that fell to his death in the stairwell. And then the really crabby guy died the day of his retirement in front of his closet. And so they have a lot of really bad things that happen in this closet. Um, so the whole night, just right from the get-go, it was, you just had this, just, it was just the icky feeling. And everybody felt like they had cobwebs on their faces. Like in the videos, everybody's wiping their face every two seconds in the back of their head. And, and it was just so annoying. And then we saw like some wet footprints coming up from the basement that went out to the back door and none of us had been down there. Oh, wow. And then just, um, so just, just weird, strange feelings, negative in the house. And then we went up into that closet where the people have the bad experience where people have been locked in, which is the lock kind of goes up, slides over and drops down. So they have no idea how people are getting locked in. Um, people get scratched and pushed and, and things in the closet. So of course, you know, we thought, Hey, let's go, go in there. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and it's a big, it's like a big walk-in closet because they actually have like two little uh, chairs and a little small table. So it's a oh, big yeah. area. And we were both in the closet, me and Teresa, and I heard this voice in my head that said, get out of this closet. So I just left out of the closet. I didn't say anything to Teresa because personally, I, I don't like being in closets. I feel like the door's going to shut and I'm going to get stuck in there and it just freaks me out. So it's right. a paranoia of mine anyway. Mm -hmm. So I just, you know, I didn't relay it. I'm just like, oh, it's me being me. And then the spirit box said, shut this door. And we didn't do that either. So the next thing, you know, Teresa and the chair come flying out about four feet out, you know, into the hallway. And she's like, something picked up that chair and pushed me. Um, so it was just kind of at that moment was like, oh my God, this, this, there is something with this house. So That's interesting. Yeah. That's insane. That's almost like, um, like well, I think when we were talking about talking to the haunted historian with time, he sort of just developed or I guess fine tuned his sort of sixth sense. Right. And it seems like <laughs> sorry, cat Mac. That's okay. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> He's nosy. Um, and it kind of sounds like maybe you've gotten the same effect where it's like you had that voice that told you you need to get out it's almost like it wasn't something was telling you or you were anticipating yourself your intuition was telling you something's about to go down you need to get out of the room yeah yeah it's, it was just yeah I don't usually I've never had that before I mean I kind of you know when we do investigate you know none of us really have any like the special gifts or anything yeah I, I feel like I can um, I can feel when they're around though, you know, you just get that feel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so that's kind of about the extent of that. So I haven't had any other, anything ever like in my head, like, you know, you better get out. You know, that was just like the only moment that I ever had, which I'm kind of glad because I didn't want to be the one getting thrown. So luckily. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was kind of a nice one. And actually, yeah, it was. Um, so one question that we generally ask is, have you ever had anything follow you home? I personally have not, but I've had two, well, Teresa's had some stuff too, but Alex had something and he lived in an apartment. He lived in that for years and, you know, no paranormal activity whatsoever. 
Uh, we came home, we tried to pinpoint it. We're not sure where one of our last investigations were, um, but he started having the faucet in the kitchen turning on by itself. And then it turned into the bathroom um, faucet turning on and then the bathtub faucet turning on and then lights turning on and off. And he's like, all right, something completely followed me home. Um, okay. And his dog would just bark and go crazy. And so this, you know, we, he knew, he knew because that had never happened. Um, before. So he ended up um, just kind of sending it back, kind of, you know, doing a little saging and, and a prayer and saying, hey, you're not welcome. And he didn't, he didn't have any trouble. Um, Donna once saw a cowboy, like standing at the end of her bed. One time she woke up and, and she's just like, hello, you know, and then he just disappeared. <laughs> um, but, you know, nothing, nothing like that. And Teresa's had some, you know, sometimes she'll get some doors opening or locking on her, just some weird things but it's not all the time so she's not sure if it's something that followed her or maybe it was always there and now they're noticing she's not sure on that though yeah I do kind of think like sometimes it's not necessarily that you're bringing anything back but if you're around an active area or building or something and you come back like you still kind of have that activity like it's like coming off you almost yeah yeah like a residual mm -hmm. thing I don't know that's just my that personal could be. theory. Yeah, yeah, could be. Um, right, let's talk about this house. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. So, did you know it was haunted before you got it, or you, and like you went in knowing that it was, or did you find out later? Well, you know, when I was looking to buy something, nobody really advertises that their house is haunted. I think hmm. I actually saw it one time, um, but other than that, nobody <laughs> nobody says that. But. Uh, so I would just kind of search the MLS and, and find things that I was kind of drawn to. Um, and then if as long as it met the certain criteria that I needed. So then I um, came across the Boyd house and I was immediately drawn to the pictures on it. I just, it was like, I don't know. It was like, I kind of felt like already before I even looked at it, I kind of had to feel like this, this is the one, you know? Uh, so we went down there and my realtor knew um, when I go, I would do many investigations at places that I looked at. Uh, so right away we had the REM pod was going off within eight minutes of after being there. And then we had um, some really good spirit box responses. Um, one just the lady said, who are you? Because nobody's ever really communicated oh, wow. with the spirits before. Um, and then we got like the name Bridget. And also, oh, and then too, when we were waiting for the realtor, um, she was running a little bit behind. Um, Donna and I were sitting outside and I just kind of casually looked at Donna and said, Kind of feel like somebody's staring at you from that attic window and she's like yeah i wasn't gonna say anything but i kind of feel like yeah so and you did get that feel that somebody was there but they were standing way back like they were not really sure on, on what was going on uh so then after that you know um i i spoke with a medium that i really trusted and she said that she felt that there were six spirits there and um Interesting enough, she said, actually, the first night that you stay there. So I hadn't even purchased the house yet, but she already said the first night you're staying there. So she already knew I was going to buy it. Um, she's like, you'll experience the man who comes in from the garden, um, which I did that first night. Um, I was walking through the base or by the basement door and all of a sudden there was like a bam, bam, bam on the other side. Um, and so I kind of opened the door and I was checking. There's no way it was, you know, airflow. You know, we did bunk that, so it was, and that goes right to the back door. So we think, think that's what she meant by that. And then we actually found out that one of the um, 
somebody in town actually sometimes, and I never told them the story what the psychic said, um, said that, oh, sometimes I see a man out there in the garden and then he just disappears into your house. So it was Whoa. kind of interesting that that was a good correlation of, of what was said. And then we had um, checked with the previous owners and they, um, they kind of blew a lot of it off. You know, they did have some experiences, but they chose not to interact with the spirits. So I think they just kind of came to a happy medium. Yeah. Um, but they did say that once in a while they hear old time music, footsteps. A um, couple times they did see a man sitting in a chair. Um, so they did have some experiences. And, and just, just the more that we investigate and learn about more about the property and, and the spirits there, it's just getting more active and, and just, you know, just some crazy stuff's going on. <laughs> That's great. And so do you actually live in the house now? Like, no, okay. no, I don't, I don't live in it. So, you know, I kind of bought it too as, um, you know, as our team has traveled to well-known haunted locations, it's kind of where I got the idea for it. And I thought it'd be really great to have my own, you know, haunted place where I could just do research. Yeah. Um, because the, one of the fun things about, you know, investigating, like when you go somewhere and you find a name or you get, you get an attachment to, to somewhere of the place, you know, it's it, sometimes it's hard to go back and, and keep getting more answers to what you're looking for. Um, so you kind of feel like you're missing a little piece of everything. Yeah. Um, but with the Boyd House, I can go back anytime I want. And then also um, with all the other investigators that come, we kind of collaborated a lot of the evidence and, and things are collecting and kind of putting the whole piece of the puzzle all together with everybody's help. And it's just amazing, you know, some of the stuff we're, we're learning about. That's really cool. Like, I like that idea. And like, like you were saying, even if you get like one EVP one time and it happens to mention a name, but yes, like in two years time, another crew might come in and get, you know, the same name or something else to do with it. And then you go, oh, my God, that's mm -hmm. to do with this person or this story or something. Yeah, it's yeah. literally a puzzle. Literally a puzzle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the more we find out that, you know, the, the funner it is. is to, and I think that we get more communication. So for sure um, that we know that Fred Eckert is there and he was a really well-respected businessman in town. So he came into town in 1912. And then he also died in the home in 1958, as well as his wife died there. Two of their children died there. And then we also know of another lady from the 70s who passed away there. Um, you know, all natural causes. Um, you know, but one of, the, one of the childs was two years old and, and they had choked to death. Um, so that's how that, that one, and I don't know how the other child died. Um, so we're just learning a lot of history, but he um, owned the, the one of the stores in town. So they had sold, you know, men's clothing, shoes, you know, food, dry goods, fancy stuff. They were very well respected. They helped build the Lutheran Church. Um, he was on the school board, the fire department. So very well respected man. Um, so we get a lot of, of EVPs about Fred and a lot of saying, I am Fred. Wow. Um, we've had a medium say she's actually seen him. In the living room which now we just recently found out uh, that that's where they died that used to be their bedroom oh. downstairs so that's crazy yeah so we're learning we're learning new stuff here all the time <laughs> yeah i like that you can go back to the like the town records and uh you actually can find out this person's story as well because you're you're not going anywhere and they're not going anywhere <laughs> yeah um, so do you think the person in the chair the man that's been seen sitting in the chair do you think that that was possibly this Fred guy? I would, I would think so. You know, just kind of when we described um, to the, one of the children uh, who saw this and she was, she was a teenager. I think she said when she saw him, 
And then we showed her pictures of Fred. She's like, that's him. That's the guy. That's who I would see. Wow. Um, and so you said you, like, do you guys use, or well, not use, but in your investigations, is there a medium that comes along like all the time or like one person that you, that sometimes tags along, like you said about the medium? No, not really. Um, you know, the medium I just use, she just, we can just talk over the phone and, um, you know, when, when I sent her, I sent her pictures of the home and that's kind of where she read the energies off of. Oh, that. okay. so, that's what yeah. I was always curious about because I know like mediums can go into a house and they pick things up, but like, what if like, they're not there? Like, how do they do that? So they, they need to see pictures. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, maybe she could do it with, I didn't ask her. I just asked if, if she would be able to, um, do that otherwise I totally would have had her come down and actually go but she said that was a, you know something she could do and she's been right because she also said that there were um two women there and also a couple of children and she said a boy and a girl the one girl is kind of shy and he hides in the closet and she protects him we've been finding a lot of that so we get we'll hear some children laughing and playing I've gotten EVPs of kids um and it's been you know girls and boys and um, definitely the two women. We have one woman. We, it's kind of good because we get a lot of the same EVPs, not the same wording, but the same voice. Wow. Um, so which, which is really good. So we have one that it's a lady, but she's really, really raspy voice. Like she smoked a ton of cigarettes in her life um, and she's really crabby. So I get a lot of the get outs, you know, um, don't come in here um, from her. Um, one time she actually said, Fred's coming. Um, and then uh, my favorite with her is uh, when I was at the house, I was the only one there. Uh, my husband was actually, um, he was either outside or, or somewhere, but either way, I was the only one in the house. And when I'm there, I just, I just like to just talk and to say, how was your week? Blah, blah, blah. Just like I'm talking to you, just rambling on. And, you know, I think I was cleaning and just talking. So I'll, I'll always put a voice recorder on when I'm there because you never know what you're going to get. And and because I kept rambling on, I kind of just heard her raspy, like, blah, blah, blah. And then he thought, I'm trying to sleep. So, <laughs> <laughs> That's so crazy. She, yeah, she was not happy that I was just, you know, talking to <laughs> while she's trying to take a nap. So that, yeah, that was kind of like a fun little EVP to catch. <laughs> That's crazy. So you're actually getting the, the characters of the people yeah. as well, like, coming through rather than just individual little words or statements here and there. Yeah. That's yeah. so cool. It just sounds like it doesn't sound, you know, how like you, you hear a lot of stories and it's like malicious, but this is just like a community of ghosts. Yeah. 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 And there, we don't have anything, you know, no bad energies or anything at the house. Everything's just been real good. I actually, um, you know, they're, they're really polite. I actually had one um, spirit. It was early in the morning. I was taking all the equipment down. And as I was doing that, it, you heard a, a male whisper, how are you this morning? That is so cool. So, you know, it's like, but you know, you kind of wish you'd hear that when you're there though, because then you get home, you're like, oh, I still would have had a conversation with you. you yeah. Know? yeah. Yeah. That's true. But you'll have opportunities. I mean, the house is yours. Oh yeah. Yeah, we do. I do talk to them a lot and, and I do a lot, you know, for them, um, you know, I've kind of brought the house back to uh, the 1900 period. Um, so we've kind of, you know, renovated that with putting up like the old fashioned wallpaper um, the furniture we've gotten in there is all, you know, Victorian style furniture. And, um, you know, as we're learning more about the family, um, you know, some people have had the opportunity to talk to the great grandson. And so I'm, I'm finding out more 
about Mr. Eckert and what was in their home. So I'm looking for more things to replace in the home and put them where they had them, um, just kind of as a, as a comfort thing. And, and so, yeah, we brought in Victrolas and all kinds of stuff. That's really nice. So yeah, like you were saying, you're literally, you're restoring their home for them, mm -hmm. essentially. Yeah. And I think they appreciate that, you know, and, and a lot of times I'll ask them, you know, hey, I think they're doing this. Is that okay? Now, they haven't never actually answered me on any of this, <laughs> these questions, um, you know, because for the longest time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn this room to the library. Are you okay with that? Um, and they, they seem to, to like it. And a lot of people like that room, too. They, they kind of congregate, tend to like to sit and think. And um, I did have a, a medium that was just there um, investigating, and I was just watching their video. And um, they just said they like to come in here and just sit and think. So, yeah, I think they kind of like the little library situation I made for them. That's cool. I'm sure that if they, if you were doing something that they didn't like, oh, yeah. That's I'm what sure I was they would like let you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, whether it's knocking over paint cans or, or yeah. banging yeah. on your something. Or an I'm EVP. Sure. That's a yeah. stop. Stop doing <laughs> this. <laughs> the crabby lady, actually, I, um, I picked up a picture at the antique store. I was like, oh, this will look great in the bedroom, which is her bedroom. And I, I put it up that night and I was just um, saying, oh gosh, I hope you really like this picture. And I got an EVP when I got home that said, I don't like it. <laughs> so, but, and also that morning at seven o'clock in the morning, there was like three loud knocks right on that wall. So it's like, I don't know if they were trying to knock it off or what. So it's like, but I still left it up there because I like it there. So that's where it's going to be. <laughs> Fair enough. Give and take. Yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> That's insane. So what are your plans with the house? Uh, currently, we just allow uh, overnight private uh, paranormal investigations for teams to come in or people if they just want to come in and, and try to experience anything. Um, and then uh, our team is just kind of going down there when we can and, you know, just doing research there. And that's kind of what we're doing with the house right now. It's, um, you know, it's kind of hopefully the tail ending of the, the pandemic. So hopefully we can start doing some events and and getting some, you know, other people in there and get some things rolling. That's so cool. Hopefully that's this year. <laughs> that's yeah. I'm, hoping. I'm hoping we got some conferences coming up. I hope they go. And so how long have you actually owned the house now? Sorry if you've already said this. No, no. Um, actually, I purchased it. It'll be almost two years in April. Mm. Okay. So you had it pre-COVID. Right, right. Oh, okay. And it was kind of kind of slow going, you know, because you know getting the word out, and yeah. then um, we were looking forward to actually. Right, I thought it'd be really great for 2020, like everyone did, and <laughs> like, oh, we have all these conferences we're going to, we're going to promote the house, and then boom. So, um, but it's actually stayed pretty busy, and and now it's just really crazy busy. Um, you know, we pretty much have quite a lot of the weekends booked already. Cool. Well, I guess yeah, it's it's perfect for this time because yeah you can go just, with your self-contained group mm -hmm. and do your own thing and not worry about other people so yeah right. yeah like if i were to investigate i'd investigate with you so that'd be fine <laughs> yeah you know um jesus max sorry <laughs> no that's okay um so the name of the house again is boyd house, boyd house yeah yeah. And it's in Minnesota, right? Yeah, Boyd, Minnesota. Okay. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> I was reading it earlier <laughs> on. I was like, 
I just assumed that Boyd was a family name. Yeah. And then when I saw the town, I was like, oh, that's convenient. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was like so excited to, to get it open. It was like I didn't do any research. I probably would have changed the name. But now I kind of like Boyd House. You know, it's kind of named after the town. And Yeah, yeah absolutely. So it sounds like a family name. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully by Halloween time, say, if everything is back opening, you know, we're all vaccined up and all. Like, what kind of events would you like to have in the house? Uh, you know, we would just have, there was at one time, Chris Moon was going to come, the psychic Chris Moon, and do do some events there. So I'd probably reach out to, you know, people like that who want to do, uh, you know, different, uh, different mediums or something that they like to do and have them come in. Because I'd really like to get a feel for what, you know, I love having meetings in the house just because yeah. they seem yeah. to be right on. And most of the time when they come, they don't know a lot of the things that I know. And so when they tell me things that I know I didn't release out to the public, it's just in my head. Um, it's kind of interesting to, to correlate that. That's perfect. Again, for for you in particular, like you mm-hmm. can almost test these mediums. mediums or psychics as they come into the house. You're like, okay, yeah. this. Like I'll keep you, like you, that was good. I'll keep your name in my directory. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. if I ever should need you, I will talk to you. <laughs> so um what was I going to say? No, like, I'm, I'm generally apprehensive when it comes to investigating places because I'm a big scaredy cat. And, um, but a place like this seems like a really good, I guess, place to wet my feet. <laughs> yeah, it'd be, it sounds like a good beginner's, um, beginner yeah. level venue. As, because there's so nothing not mean in there. Out of it. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. we do have um, a lot of people have said when they're sleeping, sometimes they'll feel like a little tug on their blankets um, by their feet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or the sometimes they'll just hear children running around laughing. And uh, the first night that uh, my teammate Donna and I stayed there, we didn't have beds yet. And so we had air mattresses blown up in the living room. And she said in the middle of the night, she had heard some footsteps come down, um, like almost like pitter patter or whatever. And then she's like, I felt like something crawl into bed with me and kind of snuggle up with me and she's like at first I thought it was you for some reason and I'm like why would I get up and she's like I don't know I thought maybe you got scared or something and I looked over and and you were like completely sound asleep so she's like well I just said oh well if you want to sleep with me sleep with me and she's like I rolled back over so (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah yeah. probably like the kids and that that are still in the house oh yeah find all this so uh comforting as well you know just to have that presence like, so was the house um, ever like vacant or did you, did the, the last owners live there like up until they sold it or, or what? Yeah, I believe they were there for about 30 years actually. So yeah, okay. they spent quite a, quite a few years. So I don't think it was ever really vacant. Kind of, if you look at the abstract, it kind of goes from one person to another person. Um, for the first few years, it's like just kind of sold on and off, on and off. Um, I think that looked like more it's kind of a difficult abstract to read, but it looked like that was more before the house was built. So I kind of like the land kept getting transferred. Right, and then, right. Um, and then eventually the, when the house got built, so. That's amazing. So you have 111 years or something, isn't that? Wait, it was built uh, in 1910, was it? Or 1901? 1901. So yeah. 120 years worth of families living there. Yeah, and then it was, it's really on the kitty corner edge of town. Um, so if, if we see pictures of it back in the day, it looked like the old Wild West. 
I mean, the, right. the biggest population was 1920 when they had 529 people living in the town. Wow. And, you know, they had, they just, I got pictures, they have like saloons and bars and restaurants and hotels. And, you know, now it's, you know, 175 people and there's like three businesses left in town. Um, so that's, it's really changed a lot, but you can imagine some of the history that happened just down the street. Yeah. Yeah. It used to be directly across the house was the um, horseshoe, the blacksmith's shop was directly across the house. And now there's just another house there. And um, the town was actually kind of right up on the sea Dakota reservation line as well. So there's probably a lot of rich history. Um, our deed goes back to 1884 when the land was actually owned by the railroad. And the tracks actually run right behind the house as well. So that's probably gets a little bit of energy going as well. Yeah, yeah. Too. Um, so there's kind of a lot of history with the town. But, you know, when you're talking, trying to find information from 1800s, 1700s, it's, it's really hard to get information. So, but we know there's a lot of rich history there. And, you know, who knows what it was, is attached to land um, and, and anything that's also happened in town. So, and, and I think too, with, with investigating too sometimes you almost kind of create a little beacon for things to, to come and and say their piece or hang out or you know just pass on by yeah whatever it may be especially like that one thing i have heard is about having the, the train track so close by and similar with like having a river on your land like it can literally just bring energies in and out that's true like uh mackie bobby mackie's music world has yeah. a railway next to it so and like you're saying if you are now this beacon yeah like lord knows what that you're makes gonna sense. Yeah. pick up when you're in there so how often do you manage to get down there uh you know i just kind of yeah i don't know if there's a certain set time some months are busier of course uh being up in minnesota right now it's uh we were supposed to go one weekend and we couldn't because we had an ice storm so we could oh. go <laughs> um so it just kind of depends on the on the weather, but yeah, as much as we can get down there, um, you know, weekends are usually pretty full with the teams. So we have to kind of work it through our work our full work schedule. So best we can. Right, and one more thing as well before we let you go, because I was like snooping on your website um, <laughs> before, but there was one picture that I saw of a shadow person on the website, um, and I can't remember what the hang on i think i might still have it open right here um i think that's from the ashmore states is what i think you're looking at it could be let me just see oh is this so one? yeah ashmore illinois and where are you? there you go but i saw it and i was like oh no that's just a person like and they kept going and then i went back to it and i was like hold on a minute <laughs> that's like the perfect capture of a shadow person so was that you or, or one of your teammates that, um, that was donna she's our photo extraordinaire she just snaps photos after photos we usually have like two or three thousand photos to go through from when we go because she's just constant clickety click 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 which is good because then you'd miss stuff yeah and you can always compare too it's like oh is that something there or is it not you know so you can go back and forth and kind of get that little time capture um but yeah she caught that one and you can see it's uh about a little bit about the height of the camera so it's probably somebody um a little over four foot you know maybe five foot with the camera up like that so close to five five feet roughly um just that's standing insane. there and and that's actually a, a corner where they do know somebody comes and hangs out now i can't remember if it was a male or female they do know um they like to mess with your cameras and that particular camera kept getting shut off 
and not and it was plugged in for one oh. they had electricity there and the button where it's actually on off you have to slide it up and down it was always in the off position so yeah, it kept doing that, and you know, sides. So finally, I came, but one time, like the fourth time, like, would you just stop? And then so did, <laughs> did do it after that. <laughs> wow, that's insane. Yeah. Well, we're just gonna have to add the Boyd House to our ever-growing list. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, we'd love to have you out. I think that'd be the first place I'd want to go. Yeah, somewhere nice and gentle. Yeah. He's still <laughs> saying to it. <laughs> um. Well, look, thank you very much for your time yeah and, oh yes um, i enjoyed it have you got anything that you would like to shout out like the your website for example and mm -hmm. obviously boyd house yeah if anybody wants to um you know come and take a night at the boyd house you can find us on st croix com, or you can hit us up on facebook directly under boyd house or st croix paranormal um or you can direct uh email us at boyd house 217 at yahoo.com amazing right on right so expect an email from us hopefully in the future <laughs> all right awesome love it all right listen it's been great talking to you and um yeah we'll have this out probably friday week okay so you can hear it then all, all right, right. Good. thank you very much thank bye you. bye, bye, -bye. So, so that was that. So that was that. <laughs> um, no, when we actually did that interview, we were supposed to release it. Um, this was supposed to be last week's episode. Last week's episode was supposed to be this week's episode. But then the shitstorm happened in Texas. So we ended up pushing it back to now just in case. Does it matter? It doesn't matter. I'm just talking for the sake of talking. <laughs> all right. Hope you all enjoyed. Um, and yeah, we'll be adding Jill's house to our list of places where we need to go once the apocalypse is over it's actually moved to the top of the list oh yeah because friendly ghosts yeah friendly ghosts lots of caspers mm. um i love that movie did you remember that movie in the 90s yeah i actually had a huge crush on the girl yeah so did what's I. her name christina ritchie yeah kind of yeah, she still to be looks the ghost. same she doesn't age Re oh, she's it's one so of them? crazy yeah she has good genes good jeans i was gonna make a levi's joke but i won't um <laughs> before i go on i just want to add my sources from my story this week so the first one was the documentary the confession of andre serban which you can find on imdb.com it's actually on the, the page for the for the documentary it's weird it's all in romanian and it's not specifically about Irina. it's actually about a play about the events based on the books that were written on it so it was crazy um the second one is that youtuber who i mentioned earlier carolina clipax she was very good very helpful uh bbc.co.uk forward slash romania ny times wikipedia grunge.com la review of books.org and words without borders.org okay guys sorry for rambling in the earlier half of this that is all. Oh, wow. You <laughs> ran out of words. <laughs> um, make sure to join the Facebook group. Make sure to check out the Redbubble if you want merch. If you want to just buy us a coffee, click on our fucking coffee thing in yeah. our link. Yeah. In our bio. 
Um, yeah. You can follow us on Twitter if you want. Not very active on there, but you can follow us. Instagram. Mm. We're on TikTok now. What are, are, is it Weekly Creep on TikTok? Yeah. Oh, right on. I didn't it's even Weekly know. Creep on TikTok. Yeah, I was able to secure at Weekly Creep. Right on. And it has nothing. There's no followers. I'm following six profiles and it has zero likes. I don't know why. I did like some stuff on here. Maybe put, your videos don't have likes. Oh, maybe. I don't have any videos, though. Yeah, exactly. So when you put videos up, maybe one day we will get a like or two on there. Mm. So if you're on TikTok, follow us, but maybe we'll eventually... Hey, we'll It'll start dancing. Me. We'll It'll start fucking dancing. Fuck that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, if, if you follow us on TikTok, it's more than likely you're going to be talking to me. 100%. Yeah, it's going to be Dulce. Yeah. Follow us on everything else, and it's me. TikTok is Dulce's new venture. <laughs> I would have never fucking thought. Okay, so um, <laughs> this is what I'll do. Um, if you're looking for me, if you're if you want to know if it's the right profile, uh, my profile picture for the account is a picture of pork chop. Fan favorite. <laughs> is it an actual picture of pork? Yeah. Chop? Okay, cool. Uh, pork chop. Who, by the way, is doing very fucking well. Because I know that she actually is a lot of people's favorite. Yeah. Um, Max is still a little prick. But yeah. It's okay. Well, you know, he's plumping out, so he might come in close second. Yep. Yeah. We, we make large cats, apparently. Yeah. It's, right. it's something about this this place. Something about Texas makes you quite large. The fact that, like, broccoli is fried in butter. Yeah. I'm not joking. <laughs> <laughs> All right, creeps. Thanks for sticking with us. Yeah, I had a really shitty day at work, but this made me feel better. Good. Good. Yeah. I hope we do the same for you. You know, you have a shitty day at work. Okay. Listen to us drown on. Yeah. <laughs> um, your girlfriend not texting you back. Your boyfriend. Dead. Out over there hanging out with his friends, ignoring you. Um, your mom won't answer your phone calls. Your sister is being a, a C-U-N-T, you know? I hope we made you feel better. <laughs> Are you done? Are you done? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your brother <laughs> farted on your pillow and gave you pink eye. Uh, we hope you feel better. <laughs> yeah, we sincerely hope you feel better. <laughs> we hope you feel better. <laughs> <laughs> All right, creeps. Have a great weekend and... We'll see you in a couple of days for our listeners episode. All right. I love a listener episode. Yay. Yeah, me too. One last thing as well. Um, Make sure to go on the Facebook group for the movie club. Oh, yeah. The movie club. We got to figure out the dynamics of that still, but it's happening soon. What movie is winning? I don't fucking know. All right. Uh, We'll find out in a couple of weeks. Okay. If you have suggestions on movies, famous movies that you've never seen, horror movies, obviously, or just your favorite fucking horror movie that you want to share with everyone that maybe not everybody has seen. Do it. Send us. Psychological thriller, suspense movie. Yeah, whatever fucked up shit it is that you like. We'll all watch it together. But not porn. I'll start a different group for that. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> Weekly peep show. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> all right. My nieces listen to this. Shut up. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. 
Yeah, because that's not going to happen. <laughs> okay. Gross. All right. Okay, everybody. We're fucking going on. All right. Bye. Bye. Monastery. Fucking hell, that scared the shit out of me. I was like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> it's Monastery. <sighs> I was expecting a nun to be standing there. I hope we're keeping that in.